Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the program for those leading in the Church of the King. This is Andrew Cook and I'm delighted that you could join me once more. Ephesians, more in the series with Ray Tibbs. And the God who doesn't give up on us in A Pastor Talks. Previously, here on Serving Today, in our look at the letter to the Ephesians, Ray Tibbs explained the privileges that believers have in Christ. Ray joins us again, and he's going to tell us what passage we're going to focus on this time. Yes, we'll be looking at the closing verses of Ephesians chapter 2, that is verses 19 through to 22. Paul is continuing to look at the results of salvation from a collective rather than an individual point of view. So you've got four points about the church based on Ephesians 2 verses 19 to 22. What's the first one of these? In verse 19, we're told that the church belongs to the Lord. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So the church is defined in two ways. First of all, fellow citizens. Believers enjoy the privilege of being part of an organised society. They have an identity, they have protection, they have provision, they have peace, justice, law and order because they are citizens of God's kingdom. But also they are described as a household. As household members, They are more than just citizens. Believers also have the more intimate advantage of family life. They have access to the loving Heavenly Father and the mutual support of active love and closer relationships with others. Previously, they had no part in either of these two groups. They did not belong anywhere and were without any spiritual comfort at all. The church belongs to the Lord. What's the next point? Next we're told in verse 20 that the church rests in the Lord. It is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. So we find here that it has been built The work of God to establish his people has begun. The site has been chosen and the construction is taking place in a secure position. This is a suitable location for the projected superstructure. We're talking about a spiritual building here, not the location of your local congregation. The spiritual building is founded on Christ, as we shall see. For it has foundations, secondly. The basis on which the church was built was the revealed word of God. 
it had been communicated to prophets and apostles by God himself, and they had passed on his word faithfully. It did not originate with them, and their words could be trusted. Chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, and 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 and 11. But then thirdly, this foundation has a cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the primary feature of the foundations. He provides the main source of stability and support. He also gives direction to the building. He was chosen and placed in that position by God and remains precious to him, as we're reminded in 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 6. The church belongs to and rests on the Lord. What's the third point that Paul makes here? In verse 21, Paul says that the church rises in the Lord. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So, first of all, we are joined together. The centrality of Christ means that all the component parts of the building are united in him. They are brought together in harmony with him and with each other as he gives them character and shape. Then we are growing up. The building rises, becoming increasingly obvious to others as stones are placed together. That's 1 Peter 2 verse 5, reminds us that this is not just an external action. The building material is stone, not rock. Stone is shaped and worked on. Bricks are uniform, the same as each other. But stones are different from each other. Living stones have a life of their own enabling them to shape themselves and to fit together with each other. And that's what we should be doing in our church, learning to fit alongside others who are there with us. Thirdly, we have become a temple. The nature of the building is a place of worship. It is not described as a school or a hospital. It is cleansed and consecrated. Even though it is not yet completed, it still functions as a temple. Ray, could you explain the meaning of that word consecrated? Yes, consecrated means devoted to God, exclusively used for purposes which will honour God. And what's the fourth and final point for these verses? In verse 22... We're told that the church receives the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So first of all, we see that we are being built. The work goes on and we are all part of it. We are becoming 
a dwelling place. Secondly, God is amongst us. We are holy to the Lord. We do not just meet each other. We meet him. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. Yes, it's important to underline, isn't it, that for now the church is an ongoing building project. It's, it's not yet complete. Yes, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit amongst his people proves that the church is the temple of God. Through him, we can both address God and hear from God. We can understand and live by his word, loving and serving him. And there's a challenge here, isn't there? Yes, that's right. Is your church a house fit for a king? How can it become more so as time goes by? Ray, thank you very much indeed again. As church leaders, looking after those God has entrusted into our spiritual care requires a lot of patience, a lot of love and a lot more grace. And it's this that Malcolm Ryan is going to speak about now in A Pastor Talks. Turning in God's word to Matthew 26 from verse 69, how's this for a nightmare? This very night, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. Peter boasted about his unwavering allegiance to the Lord Jesus. But then the pressure really got to him and he said, I don't know the man. And immediately a cock crowed. At this moment, in the courtyard of the high priest's palace, Peter lost his commission of apostleship, at least for the time being. He had denied Jesus three times, just as the Lord said he would, and he wept bitterly. Soon after that came the crucifixion and burial of the Lord Jesus, then his glorious resurrection. Peter has failed. So is the risen Lord Jesus going to let this disciple know just how much of a failure he is? The answer is no. Instead, he's going to restore Peter and strengthen his commitment as we'll see by fast-forwarding to chapter 21 of the Gospel according to John. For now dawns the day when the Lord puts Peter back into service. The scene is set beside the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus has just blessed the disciples with a miraculous catch of fish. Come and have breakfast, he calls out. Then picking up the story in verse 15, when they finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he answers. Jesus says, feed my lambs. A second time, Jesus says to him, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, he answers. You know that I love you. Jesus says, take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter is upset because Jesus has asked this question yet again. Three times he denied knowing Jesus, and now he's reliving that shattering experience. Peter, surely with tears in his eyes, says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. 
Jesus says, feed my sheep. Do you know what that is? That's grace. That's Jesus not concentrating on the chaff of Peter's life, but seeing the wheat. And little does he know that soon he's going to preach, and 3,000 people are going to be saved. Then later, he's going to write a couple of letters, and over the coming centuries, millions will be blessed by them. So let me ask you, have you ever experienced encouragement like that? Have you ever offered encouragement like that? One thing's for sure, our God is the God who doesn't give up on us. Then similarly, in our day-to-day dealings, we've got to let other people know that if they do get it wrong, they'll still be accepted. And even if they really mess up, we'll still be there. Because out of failure can come valuable lessons. Lessons that may help a person get it right next time. Thanks to Malcolm Ryan, and I trust that you found that encouraging as you serve the precious people God has put in your church. Well, it's time to bring this programme to a close. Thank you for your company, and I hope you'll be able to join us again soon here on Serving Today. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. There are a number of ways to get in touch. Our email address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. Or you can search our web catalogue at www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye.